welcome. We're live. We're the Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford. I am the host. Have a very big show today for you. We have a, a live studio audience already. <laughs> this is like the uh, the warm up to our to our huge April twenty seventh event that we're uh, going to be promoting today as well as well as Any Can, which is next weekend. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be giving away tickets. I think they're worth about a hundred dollars. These are great passes. Uh, to New England Cannabis Convention coming up next weekend at the Heinz Convention Center, Friday and Saturday. Call in, 502-501-3477. We're going to give at least a pair away in each hour of the show today. So call in. Call in early. Uh, we have some special guests. Before we get to the guests, I just want to uh, make a moment. Uh, we lost a, a good person this week, a good uh community member, a member of the music community, someone I'm going to miss, someone my family is going to miss, uh, Asa Brebner, passed away this week. I just wanted to make note of that. I'm going to miss Asa. I know a lot of us are going to miss Asa Brebner. Uh, if you don't know about Asa, you should definitely check him out, look up his music. He's a great man, great artist. I know a lot of people are suffering this week. My family, Carmelita especially, uh, some of my other friends that I see on Facebook, I'm just giving you love this week. I know we lost someone very special, Asa Brebner. All right, so we're going to get to the guests. Uh, very excited to have us uh, in studio today, a couple in-studio guests. Number one, uh, later on 7 p.m., we're going to have Barney Frank live in the studio, U.S. Congress Rep. Barney Frank. And uh, right now I have a city councilor at large candidate in Boston. She's highly recommended. <laughs> I found her through a couple people, but uh, when when the biggest troll around recommends you, there may be something there. So I said, "Oh, I better reach out." He's always right. Who's that? Brian Riccio. Okay. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Twitter friends. Twitter, Twitter friends. Friend. Yeah. Everyone's either Twitter friends or Twitter blocked or Twitter, Twitter enemies, enemies of Brian Riccio, <laughs> my boy. So we have a city council candidate uh, at large in Boston, Alejandra. St. Gian. Perfect. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming down. <laughs> so you, you, um, you were a school teacher, right? I was. I was a school teacher. Um, I started my career in education uh, before I went into um, public service, working at the state house, and then I ran a statewide Latino civic engagement and political organization. And right up to and before which I after which I was the director for immigrant advancement at the city of Boston. So you have, uh, I'm sure, a lot to say about education and immigration. I there. have a lot to say about <laughs> education and immigration and other things too. Um, but yeah, those are definitely my my backgrounds. I mean, I've been very lucky. I've been able to spend my career uh, in work that I love and service to others. And so um, it's just. It, this has been really an exciting opportunity to expand upon my knowledge base and 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 envision what we can do for the city uh, in terms of education and immigrants, but also just learning so much about what are the needs of the city. Housing, obviously, what rises to the top when you're talking to anyone about about anything really. Yeah, it's too high, and people are, are being priced out. I, you know, my own family was priced out at Mission Hill, so I, I understand 
uh, intimately, but I'm starting to learn even more about the actual you know, policies and what are the things that we can do as a city council to really, uh, to really create a city that that is uh, equitable for everybody. I think we're at a at a crossroads right now, and the city that we want to see uh, is th the city that's going to be in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, is really going to be dependent upon the policies that we put in place right now, and that's everything from education to uh, being underwater <laughs> from our climate uh, climate change and our you know our resilience or lack of resilience to what what's definitely coming down the road. When you uh, mentioned housing, I, mm -hmm. I always bring this up because everyone is talking about it, but yeah, you don't see enough real action on it. Yeah, like what what yeah. steps could like would you be right? want to see happen. Yeah. So I think the thing with housing that so there's a, a couple things like it trips people up a bit. One is when you talk about affordable housing, most of which is uh, regulated by the federal government, right? So the money comes through the state and goes to the city. And so things like area meeting income and what uh, what affordable means is actually regulated by a, a, by the federal, uh, and it's and it's not affordable, right? So the because our area median income is Metro Boston, so in uh, many neighborhoods across Boston, they don't reach anywhere near. It's not sometimes not even half of what the area median right. income is. Um, and then the other the other difficulty is peop is is that it's a private market, right? The so the the regular market is a private market. So people say, well, what can we do really to impact housing? But there are things that we can do. There are things that the city's already doing um, that we could do better. So we have an acquisition fund where um, the city is able to put help nonprofits purchase homes or buildings and keep them affordable. Um, it's a lot, but it, we need it. We need a much, much more money in there to actually make a dent. Um, our inclusionary development policy, which is at 13%, our buildings developers need to have 13% affordable or pay into um, linkage fees, pay into a to build affordable housing somewhere else. Uh, that could go up. That's something. You think that number should go? I up? think it should go up. Um, it, there's arguments that well you know it's too expensive and developers will choose not to build I find that really hard to believe I mean Boston is very attractive on a number of reasons their profit might be a little bit less but they're definitely making a profit even if it's 20 30 even 40 percent um, the steps that we take are gonna have to be pretty um, bold because we're we're already fast-tracking through lots of neighborhoods right so we're talking you know we're talking Roxbury right now uh, that's a conversation that should have happened 15 20 years ago right we need to start really thinking Mattapan Hyde Park because um, these are the places that are going to it now is the time to have the conversations about those about those areas and start building there and start um, innovative policies there or else in 10 or 15 years we're going to talk about how nobody can afford Mattapan and how nobody can afford Hyde Park um, so you know I, I think that there are things that we can do that um, Rep Connolly at the at the State House has has uh, uh, legislation in place that would give back control to the cities to for things like being able to raise the transfer fee so if we raise how much people, how much we charge people when they sell, right? Yeah. And that's hugely important, particularly for the flippers, the millionaire flippers, right? right? So um, if we're able to 
be able to control that without going through a home rule petition, uh, that will give us a lot of leverage. I also think it could open the door to give us leverage on rent control again. Uh, there, there are places, Berlin put a five-year moratorium on rent increases. They said, can't do it, can't would increase like the rent. Oh my okay. God, I would love to see that in Boston. I mean, you read where people's rent are going up 200, oh, 300. I mean, it's... All the time. Everyone I know uh, has been moving the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and they're moving again and yeah. again and again. And I just feel like, so Boston, we lost so much population in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And the people who stayed here and the people who came here and built this city and made it what it is are the ones who no longer can afford to live right. here. And so... What a shame. Uh, yeah. And so for me, I feel like that we need to, at all costs, protect that to, to protect those communities because um, we also don't that's we want those we want the cultural witness we want you know the economic diversity we want the uh, ethnic diversity of course you know and and if we just continue to go down this road we will turn into a city of the rich and the poor and I just that for me that's not that's not the fabric of Boston that's not the Boston I know that's not the Boston that my parents, you know, chose to live. My father's an immigrant from Venezuela. My mother's a transplant from New Hampshire. <laughs> and so, um, you know, for me, there's so much at stake right now. And, and you, there are some places, like I said, like Roxbury, East Boston, where it's just, it's already, it's happening so fast and we really have to get a handle on it. And, and then places where we, can, we know it's going to just start to happen really fast as well and you know for me like like i said you know education immigration all of these things are super important to me and housing impacts all of that so sure. the ability to be to live to have housing stability it's the biggest thing there impacts I mean, everyone we talked about how it's even affected like our show like, yeah. the, like the rent's too high yeah. for creatives yeah for yeah artists and yeah people starting yeah. companies and yeah um we're very lucky to be at Down the Road Beer Company. We want to plug them. Yes. They've really is, helped us out. I love this place. <laughs> I, love yeah. it. I wish we had a... Well, I think we have some breweries in Boston, but this place is awesome. It is very nice. <laughs> and we, uh, we want to welcome... We have an audience here. We had uh, the two Eds watching, and we also have a bridal sh <laughs> yeah, shower or something going on it's over It's like here. a bridal St. Patrick's Day yeah, shower yeah, combo. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Now, maybe there are some potential voters. We'll have to hit them up. We have a phone call. We'll take the call. We'll see who's on the... Oh, we lost it? Oh. Uh, we're taking phone calls. 502-501-3477. We're sorry we didn't answer your phone call quick enough. Call in again. 502-501-3477. Especially if you have a question for the city council candidate. I want to ask you some other questions. Um, sure. This is a, maybe a quick one. Maybe not. But... Uh, Safe injection sites has come up mm -hmm. as a big issue mm -hmm. in Boston with the mm -hmm. mayor uh, talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had uh, some other city council candidates, uh, uh, Ricardo Arroyo, come in. Mm -hmm. He says he supports safe injection mm -hmm. sites. Where where do you see yourself on that issue? Yeah, I mean, I I support it. I think you know it's been shown in in other cities that it has it has really helped, uh, particularly with the control of of disease through needles. And I think that. Um, you know, right now we have such a, we're having issues with needles being found in schoolyards and, you know, <laughs> having to pick up needles along that, the corridor there along um, Melania Cass and so forth. So and even in schools, there's been some stories it, that the kids it, can't it, even play in the schoolyard. They're just yeah, there every morning. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Orchard Park, you know, the Orchard Park School is right there on Recovery Road. So where there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of drug activity and so... Um, 
I'm just listening to my son crying in the background. And his name's Jose. <laughs> his Jose. name's Jose. Where is Jose? He's over he's there. With your wife? Where yeah, is he's with my too? wife, Josian. Yeah, we um, should mention that you brought yes, your wife. Yeah, and your my son, wife and Jose. my young son, Jose. But um, but I think, but it so you know, it's not something that I know a whole lot about. What I but what I've read, I have. It, it's to me, it sounds like a like a great idea and something that I know. You know. I understand that people find it controversial. Where is it going to be? And you know, right. where is there, it going to be is always going to be the issue. Is it, but that's going to be an issue for everything. Sure. I mean, we have like, you know, lengthy meetings about where dog parks are going to be, right? So, um, I, you know, but if it's some place that's going to keep those who are suffering through addiction safe and is going to keep them and help prevent them spreading disease amongst themselves or to others, and also the added benefit of taking the needles off off the streets physically off the streets um i think that there's a lot and it's also you know as we know we wouldn't just open a place they come in and and you know safely inject here obviously there's going to be there's going to be support services there i can imagine that you know the the goal will be to also Treatment, treatment, and you know, and get people the help that they need. And I want to make sure people are aware because I think a lot of people, when they hear about this, I notice on the, especially the Facebook comments, people don't quite understand what this is. Um, They think that the state's paying for this. No, the state wouldn't be paying. This is private, like you know, like if Brigham and Women or someone who's a medical professional, a medical group. um, Sometimes it's churches. The, those types of folks, the folks who are vested in this community who want to help, who, yeah. are, who have medical experience, yeah. they're doing it with private yeah. funds. Yeah, right? yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think it, 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 we have to look at all our residents and the values that they, and the value that they bring to us. And, um, you know, we should commit to keep all our residents safe. And that includes those that are, are that are suffering through addiction. I agree so much because I've lost friends to this. And I just yeah. wonder, you know, if, if we could have, they could have lived a little longer and maybe they got treatment yeah that's what we all want to see yeah my father um he passed away when i was uh, when i was younger but in growing up the work that he did was um uh, with uh those that were addicted and particularly young people and going through the court system and so for me i've always you know seen the importance of of being able to for those for people who are addicted to get through and be able to live their full potential oh jose wants to come see his mama i love this Oh, <laughs> this is great. He, 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 as soon as he found out he could come near you, he, uh, yeah, he top crying. Yes, yes, yes. I noticed yes, that. Yes, now he's yes. good. Yeah, but he wanted the the wires, so he did. He went, now he's now he's on. To, <laughs> he's he's out. like, all right, I'm he's not out. being held back from yeah, mama. Yeah. What can I destroy? <laughs> I love it, Jose. Go again. Now he's off. Yeah. All he I'm gonna owe my wife a few beers after this. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a uh, uh, a, a crazy place to bring. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank your wife for this. That's yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the campaign trail is just so hard, right? There's just so much time that you spend away and weekends. Yeah, and whenever you can, and it hasn't even fully heated up, right? It's only March, um, so if if possible we try to bring him but he's still you know he's still a little young <laughs> yeah he's a baby a yeah baby. he's a baby he's cute <laughs> uh i want to ask you uh some other questions elected school committee yeah where are you on that issue yeah. yeah so i support an elected school committee i think that you know i understand that um 
the reason for the appointed moving to the appointed system years ago in terms of not being able to uh, have diversity uh, on the school committee. Um, but, you know, I think we are a different city. We are a different electorate. The thing most important to me is I do th I believe that there should be independence between uh, the school committee and city of Boston, the administration, um, because I think it just, it, it, it works better for, for our students uh, and when they have, when they have an avenue that they can fully advocate through and that is, and that is, would be a school committee that's independent of, um, of the city of Boston administration. If there's another way to do it uh, that wasn't elected, I would be open to it. I just don't, I don't, I mean, some people say a hybrid model. I'm, I'm open to what that would look like, definitely. Um, but, you know, for, for me, because of my own personal history, because of my professional work as a teacher, uh, for me, the Boston Public Schools is, is really one of the key areas where we, we need to get it right. And we can, because we are Boston. Again, we are the epicenter of universities, of tech, of uh, business. You know, people come here to solve big problems. That's what they do. That's what they're doing across the city. And so uh, we should be able to do that right there in our own backyard. And I think uh, having a, a superintendent that is able to be to, to have autonomy, have a level of, um, uh, yeah, oh, is that a phone call? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we got a caller on the line. Who's, who's calling? Hi, this is Chandra. Hey, Chandra. How you doing? Hi, Chandra. Uh, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. You're speaking to uh, Alejandra St. Guillen. She's a city Hello. council candidate. What's <laughs> up? You got a question? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you congratulations. I just got singing in a concert for the Women's Chorus for, for Women's Lunch Place, and I'd love to hear you speak more about issues that affect poor poor women of color yep. in the in the state in the city and state right now yep. because unfortunately only 2.5% of the cannabis industry it are people of color and I'd love to hear you speak more about the issues of employment for people of color in the state and in this industry yeah absolutely so um D definitely, I think and when we look across across the board at, at, at all factors, um, whether it be maternal health, whether it be employment, whether it be access to um, edu education, we see uh, poverty and people of color and particularly uh, women of color who are facing the greatest odds um, and our trans women of color in, in particular are have also been um, our particular risk for um, for particular risk across the board as well and so you know I think that uh, for for us to really face we have to look at the issues and how they impact um, women of color poor women of color and I think that you know Ayanna Presley when she was a uh, counselor and she created the the committee on healthy women and girls she was really the first person to elevate that as an issue that the city council would be able to take on and i for me i i see it tremendously as as, as an important factor um to as we think about and i'm, I'm glad you mentioned the cannabis industry because <laughs> you know we know that communities of colors ha have been the most victimized by the war on drugs and so at this point in time when there is a possibility to um 
to have revenue and to have, you know, to be able to work within the industry. I think we have to do an extra, extra push to make sure that people of color and women of color in particular are, are taking leadership roles. I didn't know the 2.5%. Thank you. That's, um, that's a low number. Really low. Um, when you look it's at... It's an incredibly low number. It's incredible. And that's nationwide, right? As nationwide right now. Yeah. And I think it speaks to this, the uh, lack of opportunities across the board um, in all industries for, for women of color and young women of color as a woman of color myself, you know, I, I, I understand that the, the factors that, um, that, that, that restrict you to have, having those access, I think also, and you mentioned poor, right? You mentioned poor. And I think that is also a key factor. We don't talk poverty enough, right? We talk, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I, you, yeah, I know education, I know immigration, I know, uh, housing and, but at the, the core of, of all of these issues is poverty. Yeah. People can't afford <laughs> because they don't have a living wage and people, um, you know, so they're moving around and so their schools are, you know, they're not, there's not consistency at the schools or, you know, I mean, I think at, at the end of the day to have a real commitment, it's been decades since we've had a real commitment to addressing the issue of poverty uh, on a, definitely on a national scale, but at, on a city, city scale as well. And so, um, you know, the, yeah, it's definitely it's something that I would would love to take up um, as a city as a city councilor, and and I, I really appreciate the question because it's yeah. it's making me think. I'm like, okay, let, I haven't really, I haven't really kind of broken it down through that lens before, um, and you know, and it, it does it impacts it, it impacts you know all the issues that I that I care about, um, and you know, the most vulnerable and speaks to the most vulnerable in our city. Um, so thank you, thank you, Shana. Thank you, Shonda. You're welcome. Did you also want uh, tickets to Anycan? Yes, I wanted to get a Anycan so I can represent. I mean, I'm a black patient of color who was one of the founding patients of Mass Patients, and I eat every day at at the Women's Lunch Place, which is a drop-in center for people who are poor and homeless. Mm-hmm. And I actually sing in a chorus in a chorus here, and I think that it's time that we actually have black representation in cannabis. And I'm one of the few black people I know in this industry. I mean, me and like about five other people, including yep. Chanel Title. Yep. yep. That, yes. And so you want tickets? You say that again because I think the guys behind the boards are laughing because you said it right and I didn't. Where where where, where are the tickets for, Chandra? There for the New England Cannabis Conference, NECAN. <laughs> Nikan, I don't know. Is that right? You were laughing back yes. there. They're laughing at me. I love it. The the guys behind the board can laugh at me. Thank you, Chandra, <laughs> for making them laugh at Saturday me. I'll see you next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I go, we will see you Saturday. Uh, make sure you uh, reach Bye. back out because I want to uh, make sure that you you know have all the directions on how to get tickets. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chandra. Bye. Great phone call. Thank you. Great question. Uh, as a follow-up on that, mm-hmm. there's a bill that uh, Senator Jason Lewis mm-hmm. uh, put out mm-hmm. recently, and uh, it's basically asking about boards, corporate boards, mm-hmm. um, that women of women and people of color mm-hmm. are underrepresented, mm-hmm. and to basically make that, you know, if there's 35 percent, or mm-hmm. let's say it's 52 percent women, 52 mm-hmm. percent women have to be on the board, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Would you? Is that something that you'd and regulated through the state? Yes. Oh, interesting. I I haven't um, on it, on on its value. It sounds like something I would support. But I haven't seen. I ha- I actually hadn't heard 
heard of it. I know I that California did it. Oh. They're the first ones, and where would be the California second ones? Always right? coming out right? front. Right. You know, we got to get in front of California one day. Yeah. You and know? my specifics could yeah. be a little bit wrong yeah. on it, but yeah. I know like yeah. uh, Boston Public Radio, Jim yeah. Browdy talks about this a lot yeah. too, which I yeah. like. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I've seen, you know, that issue driven in particular through. Um, different professional organizations yes, right like so activists like, like yes and, and you even, know like even uh, f- yeah the partnership yeah. or amplify x or or there's a whole movement to get women uh it's, it's more women oh, um pay equity you know so i think you know i think there's definitely an appetite for it there i think you know i was talking about this this morning and with one of the ward committees it's like the argument that the people just don't exist is one that we should all refuse to <laughs> accept anymore you know we know that we have the ta- again we have the talent we have the people um and we need to be able to capture them and keep them here in boston and help develop them um so they can reach reach that c-suite you know it's not um, you know, I, I think it's usually important, and it and it and it, and it is impactful. You know, and I, and I think even if it's not an industry, you know, I've never been in the private sector, um, so it's not something that I'm super fam- you know super familiar with. But I you know these these access to promotions and access to to power are limited across the board in all industries, and so I think if there is a role that that government could play to 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 help that um, or enforce it, then yeah, I would definitely be in favor. Excellent. Um, Looking at uh, some other questions, a big one that we kind of, you know, maybe mentioned Mm -hmm. tonight, but not really. It's, it comes up a lot with the next show. Well, actually speaking of that, we have some mm-hmm. comments online as well. Sure. And you know, I said, if you came recommended by a few people, yeah. one okay. of the other people is on there oh, and okay. he's on the next show. Oh, okay. Calvin Feliciano. Uh, you know yes. Calvin? I love Calvin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he's wonderful. so he, he's, he's shouting you out on our oh. Facebook live. Oh, he's good. Watching. Good. But you know, their show talks a lot in the name of the, you know, the group that on their Facebook is violence in Boston. Yep. And Monica's been covering this and, yep. and really doing, you know, yep. great stuff. Yep. How do we, like, what what is the solution? Like, because I, I think Monica makes a great point for folks like, you know, where I'm from and where mm-hmm. other people are, you know, where their mindset's at. Mm-hmm. Violence is down. You know, we think that the gun laws work. But in Dorchester, Roxbury, that's not the case. In right. Lawrence, it's not the case. Right. In certain places, it, it's not the case. Right. So how to, how to, what, what do we do on that? Yeah, no, definitely. I, you know, I was just just commented on an article that I saw the other day about um, a panel where Monica brought Monica Grant, I imagine you're talking about Monica yes, Cannon Grant, Grant, yes. Monica Cannon Grant brought um, young people who, who were impacted by, by young people of color impacted by violence in order to, and the article said interrupt and I put interrupt in um, parentheses because for me, uh, not parentheses, quotation marks, um, because for me it's not in interrupt how are you interrupting when you're bringing an issue and you know i think that we're we somehow are are making a distinction between gun violence at schools right gun violence and mass shootings um and gun laws and that's a different issue than violence in our community in communities and poor communities of color um and i don't i'm not exactly sure why we're making you know why we're making that distinction because you know as the points were made, students are getting shot on their way to school, right? Or they're getting, you know, or are, are, are having to take Ubers in order to not get shot. I, I mean, I, th- I the more and more I look at this stuff, I think it's 
if you really start to think about this and you've observed it for a while, yeah. it's pretty obvious why. Yeah. It's yeah. racism. Yeah. It oh is racism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, we, we, by, we look at far. what happens with white teens. Yeah. And the way that, yeah. you know, already th- this this guy that just killed 48 people or whatever yeah. in, in New Zealand. There's, yeah. there's a, yeah. you know, one of my friends, E-Rock, posted the, the oh. magazine cover and saying, he was such a nice young man. They never say oh. that about a black guy. Oh, God. But they say that about the white yeah. serial killer who yeah. killed 48 people yeah. this morning and in New Zealand. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's crazy how we... We get it, treat people it, differently. Yeah. And we're, we humanize um white perpetrators in a way that we would never humanize uh, people of color perpetrators are victims and that's and that's an it you know, and that's I'm not saying that we issue. shouldn't humanize people even no, killers know. you know yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a different discussion yeah. you know ethically and all that but it just if we only treated uh Everybody like we treat white people. I'm not saying we should treat white people worse, it, white it, people, all right? It, I'm saying that we right. should treat everyone right. like right. we treat right. white people. Right, right. And that's what then that's what equity is, right? You're not you're not saying that you have to take one to give to another group. Um, for me, you know, just back to the issue of violence in Boston because it's one yes, that's, that's particularly you know important to me um, is that we have to see where are we failing across the board because it's not just the gun laws, right? It's our trauma services, it's our education system it's our um, our housing you know all of the the reasons that that cause people to feel unstable unstable and the other thing is is that when we are having discussions about gangs or we're having discussions about um, getting you know getting involved um, or in in violence around we need to include the people who um, the victims but also the perpetrators themselves we need to include people who are currently in gangs or or were formerly in gangs i think that you know the for me honestly the the most important um um policies come from the people most impacted and i think you know like I said, when I was saying humanize, you know, humanize the victims as well. It's like when there's someone shot in Roxbury, it should be front page globe and we should see their face and we should, you know, have days and days of coverage about who they were and who they could be and how special they were. Um, and if, and if we did that and that was happening 40, 50, 60 times, um, a, a, a year as the shootings are happening, perhaps people would have a different uh, perspective uh, on that. And and for me, it, 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 it is very much race and is very much seeing the mainstream, seeing themselves, you know, being able to picture themselves. One of the things that bothers me the most is... Um, is when you know there's a reporting on someone getting shot or getting killed and one of the first things that's that said is you know it's possibly gang related and i feel like even if it is i just feel like it's an unnecessary addition um to to an article because it sort of gives people the permission to say oh gang related okay so that's I'm not okay. that's okay. not, it's not me. me um it's those people and you know it for from media to uh, police to schools, you know, we really need to, to figure out how we um, actively criminalize young men of color in particularly and the impact that that's having on our communities. Now, there's been uh, so, some programs. Uh, Tito Jackson was talking about one uh, in California in a city or town where they were actually paying people to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's also things like, you know, this uh, movement nationally where, you know, because jobs are going to get automated. We're going to lose a lot of jobs mm-hmm. in the future to robots mm-hmm. that we give a guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, there's some other s- things I've been reading about poverty, too. And mm-hmm. I just know in my own life, like mm-hmm. how how so 
someone I was talking to today said his boss gave him a thousand dollars and that it changed his life. Like, and I'm just mm-hmm. like a thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that right mm-hmm. now is nothing. Mm-hmm. But for some people, that mm-hmm. is like that is like life and death. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. do you, you kind of feel it's, like that's like it, a way that we can get out of yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting. I haven't really, I haven't uh, explored the the issue, uh, but. I do understand how a thousand dollars could be could could actually be um, critical in someone in someone's life, particularly if they're paying fifty percent of their income in rent, right? And then there's a health issue, or there's just you know regular issues that come up, issue with the car, and then and then you are then you are making a choice between fixing your car and paying your rent or fixing your car and having enough food. Um, and those are those are just choices people shouldn't have to make. And I would be very interested to hear, to learn more about uh, what are some financial, you know, financial opportunities that perhaps we haven't explored yet. I think, you know, the college saving accounts are great. Um, there is the Family Initiative Institute, I think it's called, or Family Independence Initiative, which is very much uh, driven um, by uh, creating more economic wealth within within poor communities, family by family, and, and that has, I think, proven to be um, a great model. And, and it's, you know, we really have to kind of get out of this everything is is done through the nonprofit that's what uh, i sector. get worried about it <laughs> seems like it's always given to like a, the red cross yeah. or the nonprofit. it never gets to the people yeah and, and some of the nonprofit and a lot of nonprofits are great it's not that's you know uh yeah, I not bashing very, them, but yeah no work very closely with them but i think that there has to be some level of financial autonomy that we're able to give the people who are most impacted by um by the issues because the thing is is that the systemic issues have were created a long time ago right the issues of poverty in the black and latino communities very much created by redlining right and um and discrimination on jobs on schools um and so these are things that have have led to generations um later where you're still struggling with 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 the poverty that the results of those of those systemic um, injustices and so you know we have to we have to again I just go back we have to be bold we have to think outside the box um, on how we're going to uh, uh, um, address this issue excellent uh, this is uh, Mike Crawford the host the young jerks and we're speaking to Alejandro St. Gian mm-hmm. have I gotten it right every you time you did every single time wow <laughs> I, I'm still you know I I'm working. I, yeah, I always say this on the show. I, I have a speech impediment since a young age, and now I'm, I'm forced to host shows. And I'm also a goofy-looking, you know what? And now they put a camera right in my face with lighting, so I'm not always comfortable up here. But, I, you know, it's okay. It's fun. You're doing great. You're, you're great. You make it easy for me. Uh, our phone number, 502-501-3477, if you have a question uh, for the city council candidate. Uh, you ha- you're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. I've seen yeah. you there. How, yes. how can people yes. find you on yes. those platforms? So at uh, a Sankiang, A S T G U I L L E N is my Twitter and Instagram. Facebook Alejandra for Boston City Council, um, and Alejandra for Boston dot com is my website. And uh, th- it's really you know early in this campaign, yeah. but you're already a, a, you know from what I see a pretty formidable candidate in oh. this. Hope so. <laughs> you hope so, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of great candidates. There will be, right? There are a lot of great candidates. Yeah. How how do you win? How do you like? Uh, yeah, because 
you know, yeah. I can't even imagine doing this. Yeah. Is this your full-time job now? It is. It is. It is. I, I'm fortunate enough, um, you know, that and being a mother, of course, is <laughs> also your, your other full-time Which we saw. Time. We saw yes, Jose Yes, yes, yes. But my wife has been extremely supportive, and um, so I've been able to dedicate a significant amount of time to this. So, you know, what, you know, I... I what I do is I continue to deliver my message. I think, you know, one thing uh, is that having been, having worked within the city, having worked as an advocate, having worked as a, as a teacher, I understand firsthand the policies and how they're, and how they're made, right? Um, and so I think I'm uniquely positioned that on day one, I'm going, that I'll be able to get to work. And so that is something that, 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 I, that I tell people, you know, and I just keep talking about my vision and, and, and talking across the city and, right now and also listening one thing that's so important is listening to people where and where they're at so when i'm like i said housing wasn't something that i that i knew a ton of about um it just always came came out even before i was a candidate even when we would survey immigrant communities at the height of you know the most awful administration in this whole that we've ever had um and people are fearing their their lives and being deported they still list housing as their number one concern and so um that is something that you know i knew would rise to the top so for me it's how am i listening to uh, across the spectrum and the, the where people stand on housing and you know city life via brana to okay. chapa to cdc you know i think that there's so much to learn and it's an important um time and also to think broadly across the country and across um, the world of what our other cities are doing. And so, you know, we have a very, you know, strong plan, a, a strong, you know, on the ground, on the doors, this, this, you know, it'll be a low turnout year. And, and what we're doing is we're looking to, uh, those voters that were engaged for the first time last year, right? Yeah. They were going Ayana, engaged. Yeah. Anika, you know, and, Anika. and I think if we can keep that electorate engaged, um, you know, I think that'll be an important part, uh, part of our victory. And, um, but we, you know, we want we want it to be a unifying message, and we want it to uh, resonate across broad sectors of Boston. This is great. Um, I got a couple uh, like geeky kind of questions. Sure. Number one on the cannabis issue, yeah. and you may not know, like you know, mm -hmm. this may be something like uh, Ricardo wasn't aware of and mm -hmm. needed to find out more information. Mm -hmm. um, there's a cannabis buffer zone in Boston. Mm -hmm. It's a half mile buffer zone. It's too uh, Michael big, right? Flaherty put it in because mm -hmm. he was worried that it was going to be like the combat zone with mm -hmm. all the pot shops mm -hmm. in one location downtown. Mm -hmm. um, and it just seems too narrow now, considering mm -hmm. there needs to be like 40, 40 of them in Boston. And where mm -hmm. do you put them if it's a half mile buffer zone? You mm -hmm. can't do it. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is people of color are now, you know, be, you know, you can't have two shops in Roxbury. You right. can't, you, got, you know. Right. Right. Can we change this, get rid of it, or, you know, change it to say you only can have five shops in Roxbury? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we, you know, this was an issue that we had uh, as part of the criminal justice reform bill is that having, um, you know, dealing within 25 feet of a school, you know, had, I, I don't know the exact amount, but it wasn't, it was, you can't really anywhere be in anywhere in Boston and not be, there's a school there. and be in, in, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. I don't know if it's 25 feet or whatever yeah. it was, but it just, feet, it, yeah, it, you it know, was, it was. was something that, you know, it just didn't, it sound, it made sense, right? Of course, you don't want people dealing, dealing to, to students and you don't, you know, in the vision of, of drug dealers and in, in schoolyards, obviously is something fearful, but in practice didn't make a lot of sense and actually 
double criminalize people who for and some of them for um, for cannabis yeah. right um, for which is now legal so um, so I think it's something that you have to that if 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 I understand the the spirit of of the law um, and and perhaps why Flaherty was was concerned but I think it's something that we have to look and see is it something that's actually realistic um, what I what I have loved to see is you know, Kim Janey has been putting forward, yeah. you know, uh, this cannabis equity and really pushing and saying, you know, we're not trying to slow down the process. We're just ma- trying to make it equitable and that the people who suffered the most from archaic laws, um, now that those have been reversed, are able to to have some benefit. Um, it never it never you never repair the, the decades of, of harm that's been done to communities of color uh, in particular around the, because of the war on drugs. But um, at the very least, we can we can make sure that that our communities are benefiting from what's what what is now very lucrative. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because we had her on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, we love her. And uh, she's got the hearing coming up. And it sh- again yeah. shows that you yeah, what you Tuesday, said earlier Tuesday, yeah. that you know what's going on. Yeah, you yeah. brought bring up the like, this is like a big issue <laughs> for yeah, us right yeah, now. Yeah. And, and you're bringing up like yeah. topical information. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> you could be like, my, if, if, if you don't end up being city council, which I think you might be. I'm not going to knock on wood, but I will knock on wood. You could be my co-host. Okay. Anytime. You're really it. good. I, I love this. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, f- uh, 502-501-3477 is our phone number if you want to call in. Uh, if you have a question, I, I thought I had another question, but now I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know. I think I think we're almost out of time anyways. 648. Yeah. How can people help you? Why should they vote for you? Why should they support you? I think, you know, yeah. make your pitch. Yeah. Tell, tell our audience. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm someone who was born and raised in, in Mission Hill in the city of Boston and really benefited from a place where my parents uh, lived in an expiring use uh, apartment. So the uh, the rent was affordable. They didn't have to choose between health care and paying the rent or food and, and, and paying the rent. And that's something that impacted mine and my sister's ability to be successful and be successful in schools. We went through Boston Public Schools, um, graduated from Boston Latin School. Um, and the, my path is one that I see is becoming less and less possible for many people across this city. Uh, and there, there are many reasons of it. And I think w- right now we are in a critical time. I said earlier that we're really at a crossroads where the policies that we're putting in place are going to have a huge impact um, on the people, on, on the type of city that we want to be right now. It's a tale of two cities, right? A city that's full, you know, booming and, and economy strong, and that's great. But you also have the tale of, of, of people who are not benefiting from that from that boom and so it for me it's important that you know yes we have we have the economic vitality but we need to make sure we're all uh, benefiting from it equitably I think I'm somebody that um, like I said on day one would be able to address these issues as as you noted you know I I love municipal issues Um, you know I worked in immigrant advancement but I you know was Deep, deeply uh, connected to diff- different issues across the city, and, di- and and very much, you know, wanted to want want to take this role uh, and be able to bring my social justice lens to the city of Boston. Uh, what people can do if you want to be a part of this movement is to uh, sign up online so that you stay in, in contact. This is going to be uh, a big month. Um, signatures come out end of April, <laughs> so we're having our big kickoff on the twenty. 24th, April 24th. Um, and so 
uh, you know, and that'll be an opportunity for people to come, get signature papers, and uh, it'll be our first, uh, our, one of our first opportunities to, to be on the doors, and that's, you know, exactly what we're going to do. We're not taking one thing for granted. Uh, we are, we, we know this election will be one on the doors, and so we're, we need a full army of people to help us get there. Excellent. I, I can't wait to see <laughs> you, yeah, this campaign. I'm, I'm definitely supporting you. Thank you. I, I was with you at, like every single question <laughs> and answer. I already know, like I, I did have figure out my last question. Uh -huh. It's going to be quick. Barney Frank is here. We, we just know his body. Let's give Barney Frank a, a round of applause for joining us today. He's going to be coming up next. He's here. <laughs> We're very excited for him. Uh, before we let you go, though, Alejandra, yeah. um, you're running for city council. Yeah. Um, there's this issue that came up with the ICE, uh, with the construction yep. worker. Yep. I think a lot of people know about it, but I'll yep. give it briefly real quick. His uh, gentleman got hurt. Uh, his boss called uh, ICE on him through the Boston police. Mm -hmm. um, and the Boston police said they weren't going to work with ICE. And they, and they basically you mm -hmm. know, gave this guy a really rough time with a really serious injury mm -hmm. because if his employer didn't want to cover him. Because they didn't want to pay, yeah. And, and the employer broke the law yep. with the Boston yep. police and ICE helping him. Do you want to yep. comment on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was... I was, I was um, really upset to see to see that article uh to to say this and hear the, and hear the story uh you know what we have in boston is called a trust act and in my office was part a uh, big part of creating that and and the the letter of the law in terms of what the trust act is really limits cooperation in terms of uh ice detainers so if ice asked someone asked the boston police to hold someone longer than they would not they would otherwise be released the Boston police won't do that. That is the letter of the law. However, the spirit of the law is that we do not cooperate with ICE and we do not, we certainly do not cooperate to uh, deport workers who have been injured, right? And so uh, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that we're going to have to do and it, well, what I would do in the city council or the city council can take it up now is we need to strengthen that trust act and we have to actually put in the letter of the law what wh how we cooperate or don't cooperate uh, with ICE. It's the same thing in the Boston Public Schools, our sc school to deportation pipeline. It's something that we need to address uh, how we're mislabeling students as part of the gang database. Yeah, um, and if you are not a citizen, uh, you can be deported just for the reports of who you're who you're hanging out with Who's and what you're stop? wearing, Who's right? Who's at the bus stop? Um, and that is a that is a system that is not equitable, and and you know criminalization. I said criminalization of our young men of color uh, results in the school to prison pipeline and also this school to deportation pipeline. And so I think, you know, I think we have we definitely have a mayor who's supportive of the immigrant unit, is an you know son of immigrants himself, um, but I do think that they're they're this given this case and given the cases in the schools we're going to have to delve a little deeper and we're going to have to actually put in the letter of the law those protections that we think are there because the the spirit of it is there but the actual uh, implementation of of how we do that has is is not, doesn't exist yet thank you so much for coming in alejandra mm -hmm. uh saint guillen mm -hmm. Uh, running for uh, city councilor, councilor large in Boston. Yep. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, and Thank we want you. you to come back. Yes, Thank I you. will definitely come back. This was super fun. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to have Barney Frank and uh, Andrew uh, from Beantown, Greentown, and we're also going to have some more passes to the New England Cannabis Convention, where we'll all be at next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> 